The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery online radio show at Unity Media Network. And my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. I'm the new host as of uh, two weeks ago, so you'll be hearing me here. And this show... The Spirit of Recovery is where we talk about this place that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together and support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. According to recent research, over 46% of the American public has a family member or friend that struggles with an addiction issue. And so this program is open to everyone, addicts, alcoholics, family members, friends, coworkers, anyone whose life is touched by addiction. Our goal is to carry the message of spirituality and recovery, to explore the Many faces of spirituality through the experience of and lessons learned by those who are taking this journey. You'll probably hear a few things you already know, but you may also get new ideas and information, new perspectives, and perhaps some tips that you can put into practical use for your own journey. We know you'll deepen your spiritual walk in recovery as a result. So we want to say thank you to all of you for joining us today, and thank you for listening. So today, the title of, to, of the show is Feeling Stuck, Is That All There Is? And we're talking with our guest, Reverend Michael Brooks. Michael is devoted to carrying the message even after 31 years of continuous recovery. He's active in the recovery community, attending meetings, and in service to others. Michael's personal commitment is to grow in compassion and to practice personal spiritual awakening on a daily basis. And so, Michael, thank you for joining us here today and your willingness to share your faith walk with us. You know, in this well, in this you, place... Robert. In this place where, where both the recovery and spirituality are intertwined, um, you know, we talked before the show a little bit how people sometimes struggle in this place. And when we talked earlier, you shared that um, you had hit in a place like that. But I'd like to know a little bit about your beginning of your faith walk, perhaps something about your childhood experience. Well, I can certainly do that. But first of all, I wanted to um, say thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Reverend Lonnie, I think it's a a wonderful opportunity for people who have questions about recovery, who have questions about their loved ones, who may be approaching a need for recovery, and um, and what that's all about when it comes to spirituality and how we can intertwine the concepts of um, 
universal principle as well as the principles as laid out in the AA program. So I'll just tell you a little bit about me. Um, I, I, I was raised in um, what I would call a, um, a relatively um, religious home. My, um, my, both of my parents were practicing um, Catholics, and um, I have uh, a lot of wonderful things to say about Catholicism. Uh, however, I, could, I will also say that at some point during my life's journey, I was unable to get the answers that I required due to my skeptical, inquisitive, and searching kind of mind. I was a middle child, and um, I like to say that I had the middle child syndrome really bad. <laughs> I, I had a, a concept, I felt, that, that I was one of those kids that was never enough, and I always compared myself, as we say in AA, to other people's outside to my inside, and I never seemed to measure up. And so I, I had a, an inferiority complex, and, um, and I think that I wanted to find escape at any cost. And um, I would say in retrospect, it costs plenty. It costs everything. But I think many alcoholics uh, who are in recovery might tell you that the finding of alcohol actually postponed the end of their life for a while because it was the, the alcohol and the drugs that I got into in my um, uh, early adult years that um, kind of kept me from going completely nuts. And, you know, I think um, you make a really good point about that um, because there's, there's a lot of people that have that level of depression that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what what they call it back then. Um, I, I like to think that maybe if I were diagnosed as a child, they would have said I was ADHD. But I couldn't concentrate on anything for more than a few seconds, and um, it wasn't that I was a uh, inept. It was just that I had no attention span. Mm-hmm. So, and then that kind of led to feeling depressed because I was comparing myself. And so when I found the the Boone's Farm apple wine that made that feeling of inadequacy go away, I was saved. And it, it <laughs> felt like there was something more to life than just, you know, a feeling less than. Mm-hmm. So I know in my journey, I never thought that the answer was within me. I never thought the answer was um, God or a higher power or anything like that. And I continued to look for the answer in places and things such as you just described. How long was that part of your journey for you? Well, you know, I was thinking about that today because I, I was kind of excited about being on the air with you. And I thought to myself, so how long was I actively um, drinking and, and drugging alcoholically or addictively? And I would have to say it was probably somewhere in the range of 15 to 17 years. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how my body held out, but um, for, for what, one reason or another, um, it did. And I came to a place where well, we often call the bottom or our gutter. And um, I remember realizing that the the alcohol and the drugs that I was putting into my body were no longer creating the magic that they once did. 
mm-hmm. no matter how much I put into my system, I could, I could no longer feel like this was a great escape. It was truly a, a prison that I was building around myself. And the walls were just getting higher and higher. And the, the pit I was in kept getting deeper and deeper. And, I, and so I, I don't know how this happened. Some say it's a miracle. Some say it's a, you know, it's a, a sobering effect. Sometimes it's a, a strike of, of a cosmic two-by-four where we, we get jolted into the reality of, of um, the realization that, that we need help. Um, and I, uh, I never wanted to accept help, and I never wanted to ask for help. I wanted to to run the whole show by myself. And when I realized I couldn't do that, it was, um, I remember just sobbing. It was a, it was a mm. very emotional upheaval that came to me that I was finished. And all mm-hmm. of my great thinking got me to the bottom of the pit I was in. So for me, it was, it was a, you know, it was one of those moments. Uh, they call it a moment of clarity sometimes. And, and it was clear to me that, um, that I was going to die if I didn't um, make some drastic changes, that I was first going to die spiritually and then emotionally and then uh, mentally and then probably finally physically. And mm-hmm. that would have been the worst torture and torment of, of all was to go that slowly in that direction. But it became evident mm-hmm. to me that what would happen. So that that process that you just described, um, you know, you, you eloquently described that. And, you know, I've heard it said that we recover in pretty much the opposite direction of what you just suggested. And so when you're at the bottom of that pit like that, um, did, the, did the light appear and you knew exactly what you needed to do? How did you find an answer? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I... Um, <clears throat> I will say that um, I had heard about um, AA and, and addiction, and I found uh, things hanging around um, that were left out for me to see in, in my home, um, mm-hmm. like living with the alcoholic and uh, you know finding help for the ones you love kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I knew that, um, that I was in trouble, and so... I, I kind of decided I was going to call the central office and, and check out a meeting. And I, I called very sheepishly and I just tried to pawn it off on somebody else. I have a friend who may need some help and I want to know where to take them. And mm. the person on the other end of the line said, so how long have you been drinking? <laughs> it, was, it blew my cover right off the top. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I decided I was going to go to one of these, these meetings and, and check it out. And it was in the basement of the church um, that I had never been into. And they were um, looking for, uh, I was looking for a place to get some quick answers. I walked into the meeting and watched people hugging. And um, I thought that was strange. And um, there were people talking around, talking around the coffee pot about their last DUI and um, the divorce they were in the middle of, and then they started laughing about it. I thought these people are crazy. And I, um, I said, all right, I'll stick around for this meeting. And if, if I don't get anything out of it, I'm out of here. 
I saw the 12 steps on the wall as listed out, and I thought I could do those while I was waiting for the meeting to get started. <laughs> and unfortunately, it just doesn't work like that. However, uh, I thought I was smarter than everybody and came to a, 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 a quick realization that um, I was just fooling myself over and over and over again. So, so uh, I remember a couple of couple more trips back out onto the onto the uh, onto the bar scene to come to a final realization, um, going back and forth from AA meetings to actively drinking, and um, I remember coming up to a red light in my car, looking at the uh, at this light, staring at it, and realizing that I could not combat this thing myself successfully. So mm-hmm. I, I needed to take a, a whole different approach to it as if my life depended on it. And Ronnie, I'll tell you that, that for me, that the one thing that came to, to my understanding was this. I would rather die than continue the life I was living. Mm-hmm. And that's what finally set in for me, that if this is all there is, um, I'm checking out. And if I can't make this AA thing work, then um, I'm going to find another way that will, or I don't want to live anymore because I didn't want to live like an alcoholic actively embroiled in my addiction, going from um, place to place trying to seek what was, um, I thought, always outside of me. Mm hmm. So that moment of clarity, um, while it propelled you into the rooms, it didn't keep you there for a moment. It was the desperation that kept you there or sent you back. Yeah, I think so. Um, I had pretty much had the feeling that everything that was going on in the rooms of AA was pretty much a, a ruse to get me involved in it. I thought they were probably reading my mail or talking to my ex-wife or I don't know, my employers, whatever it might have been, I, did, I, had no, um, I had no conviction that this was going to work for me until I actually got into the process of, of recovery. Mm-hmm. And that was laid out in the steps. Mm-hmm. So did you start those immediately? Mm. I don't think I started them immediately, but soon after, because I had this feeling of um, impending doom. I had this feeling that if I didn't latch on to this right away, I was going to backslide and I wasn't going to make it. And um, I didn't want to um, be left to those devices. So I decided to to, um, find a sponsor and work the steps. I talked to guys um, for hours and hours on end trying to figure out how they did it. Humbled myself enough to ask um, the questions, to ask for help. And sooner or later, um, you know, it just seemed to fall in. It wasn't the first try. The first sponsor that I had wanted me to do book reports on the chapters of the big book. And I didn't, I didn't see that as uh, my path. 
But one of the other guys that I talked to just said, come on over, we'll sit down and we'll, we'll get started. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, you know, you sit down and you get started before you know it, you're in the middle of it. And things started to feel like there was a little light at the end of the tunnel. And that light just got brighter and brighter for a long time. So you um, you got engaged in in the program. You got connected with people in the program, and just made a decision to get started. Um, but you came in with a preconceived notion of this thing called a higher power from your childhood. Well, I had a. I don't know if I'd call it a higher power. I I came into this thing with uh, the understanding that um, there was a God somewhere that um, I couldn't buy into because it didn't make sense to me and by the same token um, didn't approve of me or any of the way I was living and therefore I felt um, like that whole concept wasn't going to work for me and I would have to reinvent my spirituality if I was going to have a spirituality because I wasn't quite sure there was um, that I was going to be qualified to have one. Mm -hmm. Well, so many people talk about having to fire their God, that, you know, they have an idea that doesn't (laughs) work for them, (laughs) you know, and they Uh had to throw that away and start over. I was curious if if you had that similar experience. Yeah, I think I did. Um, But I had already started that. Um, One of the odd things about um, me, my life, and my recovery is that at the age of 17, I got through some pretty sketchy uh, ways, the, um, a draft card that said I was 21, and oh. I, um, I forged it, and I, I, I signed a uh, contract with a martial arts dojo, and I started taking martial arts to see if I could lift my poor self-esteem. And the interesting thing is that they taught us to meditate. Now, I was 17 years old, and I'm learning how to meditate and still drinking and using, which was seems kind of anti-productive, um, counterproductive, but it's the way I was doing it for a couple of years mm-hmm. until I finally got into the to the flow of things. So I had this understanding of that there was something, but I didn't think it lived in me. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that, that there was this direct connection, but I knew that there was peace. If I could calm my mind, I knew Mm -hmm. that I could find it from time to time. And so you, you arrived in the program knowing a little bit about meditation and probably some techniques for um, arriving at that momentary peace. How long did that last? Did the program work for you forever and ever? I mean, how? Uh, what was your journey like from that point? Well, uh, it was pretty much, um, it got really good really quick and lasted for quite a few years. I will say that... Um, Employing the concept of a God of my understanding began to be the biggest gift that I received from AA Mm -hmm. because I I didn't understand God at all because 
why would a God who supposedly loves me ever allow me to suffer like I was suffering? And then on top of that, um, escort me to hell for the rest of eternity for feeling so mm, less than. And that never made sense to me. And so because mm -hmm. I, I didn't understand that concept of God, I had to create an understanding of God that made sense to me. And I would tell you that for about 10 years, I, um, I got sober on September 10th of 1986. And by the time the 90s rolled around, I started asking myself, is that all there is? Is mm -hmm. this the, the pinnacle of sobriety? I'm, I'm going to, I started going to meetings in the beginning, Lonnie, like a man possessed. I was doing seven, eight, nine meetings a week. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was going to these meetings thinking that the answer was in the meetings. And, right. and as I, as I started to work the steps, I realized the answer is not in the meetings. The answer is doing the work for yourself. You know, a guy said to me early in sobriety, he said, if you want sobriety and you want it in the worst way, don't drink, go to meetings and pray, and that's what you're going to get, sobriety in the worst way. And the first mm. time I heard that, I thought, blasphemy. How could he say <laughs> that? Don't drink, go to meetings and pray was the formula, isn't it? No, mm -hmm. it's not. And then I realized the wisdom in his... his uh, profession of, of, of error, that um, if you just don't drink and you go to meetings and you pray, all you're going to get is, is the plug in the jug. You're not going to get the fourth dimension of sobriety that the big book talks about, where we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness and incorporate the promises into our lives. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a, it was a realization that Funny, oddly enough, I heard those very words at a meeting <laughs> and uh, realized that I really had to do the, the interior work. I had to go deep and dig it all up and um, do the inventory. And then I realized what Bill Wilson was talking about when he wrote the book and said, we admitted that we were alcoholic. And, and I realized at that point that what I had to admit is that my ego, my physical form, is alcoholic. My mm -hmm. body has a condition, an allergy, and, and that um, comes out in the form of alcoholism. And it wasn't really the spirit of me that I am that's alcoholic, but the body and the egoic mind that thinks that alcohol is going to make things better. Mm-hmm. So for the next, for the next, um, I want to say into the early nineties again, that, um, things, questions started to come up and I was wondering what was going to be the, the next level of sobriety for me. Mm -hmm. I know, um, I have talked with a number of people and it echoes my own story that it was enough for a while to go to meetings to to help others to do the work to to um understand the literature at a deeper deeper level and to be on this search for this higher power for this god of my own understanding i call it god of my misunderstanding more often than not 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems like after about five years and sometimes at 10 or or so, uh, in that time frame, the, the attendance starts falling off. At about seven years, you don't see as many people with that length of, of clean time in a meeting and between seven and like mm-hmm. 15. And, um, y- you know, I... I uh, I know you spoke about feeling stuck after you found some measure of relief in the program. I sure, I sure did. I, I um, and I think it's it's a matter of of taking things to the next level. Um, somewhere in the big book, and I don't pretend to be a big book thumper, but I will say that there's a lot of wisdom in there if you look for it. But somewhere it says, you know, we must grow spiritually or die. Mm-hmm. And um, and I wasn't growing spiritually anymore. I was I was sponsoring guys um, five at a time. I was um, going to meetings. I was being of service. I was setting up, tearing down, making coffee. Um, back in the day when we could clean ashtrays uh, in meetings, and I I wasn't um, I wasn't really finding the the next level. I wasn't finding that that place where I felt like I fit in anymore. And, and I wanted more. I wanted, I wanted to feel like this could be an ongoing process. And um, so I, I was, I was talking about it with a fella in the program and uh, he said, you know, you ought to go to check out this unity church. They have something that might fit into what you're um, looking for. Mm -hmm. And, Oddly enough, I'd only, um, you know, after I, I did check it out, I, I'd only seen him there a couple of times, but I made a phone call and I um, talked to the administrative assistant at the Unity Church that was near me. And I said, um, look, I'd like to come down and, and talk to, to the minister there. Um, but before I make an appointment, if your concept of, of uh, of salvation is that all Buddhists are going to hell. I'll I'll um, save us both some time and and not make the appointment because mm-hmm. I had already come to the realization that this exclusivity where certain people are accepted and certain people are not was beyond my uh, willingness to uh, to support. So I. Uh, no, they said, no, no, that's not the way we feel. Come in and talk to them and see what you think. Well, I I had a, oh, a half-hour um, appointment that lasted an hour and a half, and um, I went to um, visit the church the following Sunday during a service, and I was, um, I was duly impressed, and I don't think I've stopped going to church on Sunday since. Mm-hmm. So like something. 19... Go, ahead. Go ahead. That was about ni- mid, early to mid nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that um, I find interesting is the discussion about the overlap between, um, you know, as somebody takes this journey, as somebody finds another way to connect with and express uh, their higher power. You know the 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 need. Sometimes they feel a need to switch communities, and um, you know sometimes that you know to to reengage in a different community in a different way. How, what was your experience like with that? With you've already 
tied into your recovery community in a very meaningful and useful and uh, service-oriented way. What did you find in the Unity community that kept you coming back? Well, I guess that for me it was the next level of spiritual understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I um, I realized that the the uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous was written uh, a long time ago. I realized that um, that it was the wise words toward the back of the book where he says, um, "We realize that we know only a little, but more will be revealed." And and mm-hmm. so I was looking for that more will be revealed. And I was mm-hmm. looking for something deeper and more um, spiritually connect for me. And mm-hmm. um, this is what gave, what unity gave me was a way to, um, to take what I had learned in AA and apply it in my life with some more focused principles. I could have made a beautiful spirituality out of AA and only AA had I felt that um, it was giving me all that I needed. But I mm-hmm. felt that I was in, I was, um, I was in line. I was um, determined to get something more, and that something more um, was a way of life that had um, principles that I could apply in my life and watch them work while I was still alive. I just can't buy into um, spiritual principles that you have to wait until after you're dead to figure out if they work or not. Probably won't even um, be around to enjoy them at that point. So I was looking for something more provable, something more malleable, something where I could be part of the process and be completely engulfed and um, supported by my spiritual convictions and my willingness to apply those spiritual principles in my life. And it works. That's wonderful. And what I'd like to do, we're, we're just about at the time where we need to take a little break, and so I'd like to mm-hmm. hold that thought and talk more about those spiritual principles and that spiritual understanding that you came to, exactly what it was that made it work for you. So we will be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Sometimes you might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. 
Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Das, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to unity.org and click on Publications. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach. Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, and I am the new host of this show. Today's topic is feeling stuck. Is that all there is? And with us is our guest, Michael Brooks. And so before we continue our conversation, please join me as we take a moment to center ourselves in a serenity minute. So right now, I invite you to take a deep breath. Close your eyes if it's comfortable, and just join me in focusing on this constructive idea. As we relax, we allow our minds to rest and to be opened. We focus on a positive idea, and we feel refreshed. And our idea for today is, I step forward in faith, and my life is blessed. Let's take a few moments with the music. Thank you for joining us in this Serenity Minute. 
So, Michael, as we went to break, you were talking about the principles that you became exposed to and began to learn to use once you started attending the Unity Church. These were more focused spiritual principles that allowed you to become a part of the process. Um, can you can you speak to some of those? What was that like for you? What what exactly do you mean by focused spiritual principle? Well, I, I suppose I can tell you what my ideas are and and the way I found these universal principles. Um, to talk about a um, a presence that um, is all pervading in everything, and um, it is all the creative force of the universe is what I call it. And I, I adapted that concept as my idea of God, the ceaseless, restless, creative force that is everywhere present and always available. And um, I, I realized that some of the great masters, Jesus and others, were, were um, speaking to that concept, at least through my interpretation, uh, when uh, Jesus called it Father. It was this all-pervading creative force that was not only the creative force, but the animating force in the universe. Kind of hard to define, kind of difficult to, um, to figure exactly how it works, but when I looked at some of the Eastern philosophies, uh, uh, especially Taoism, uh, it talked about the unnameable, the undefinable. Um, the uncontainable, and and that's kind of the same uh, analogy for me. Uh, so I I thought if I could adopt this idea of God as a ceaseless, restless, creative force, I could come to um, to an understanding that yes, God is always with me, in me, around me, and and that kind of led me to the to the next principle that that we teach in unity but is a universal principle that 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 same force that same presence is within me as well and once i got the concept that it was not diminished in me but rather expressed through me and as my spiritual nature um it gave me permission and uh, the impetus, the catalyst, if you will, to um, to look at all that I, all of my thoughts, all of my words, all of my actions as expressions of that force. So I stopped judging myself, and I started experiencing life. Some of it was good. Some of it was difficult. Some of it worked for me. Some of it did not work for me. But at least it was um, it was explainable, it was justifiable, it was understandable to me. And um, that was very, very important. Mm-hmm. I know when I first so, heard that, I did not understand. I had an intellectual understanding of those words, but it took me mm-hmm. a long time to feel those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't uh, fall into place immediately. But you know, I, I as I was uh, telling you earlier that I began meditating um, 
even in and through uh, my active addiction. But um, I knew how to center myself long before I ever came across those principles. And therefore, it was a shorter trip for me. Mm. I was able to, to bridge that gap pretty easily and, um, and then incorporated that into what I already knew worked. I, um, of, of the, I told you earlier I, I may have been diagnosed as ADHD when I was a kid. Well, the, one of mm -hmm. the main reasons I learned to meditate was to, to reduce that tremendous stress level in my life. Um, I suffered from physical um, uh, disease that my doctors called psychosomatic, which uh. basically says, you know, you're nuts. And, uh, and, and it's expressing through uh, physical illness. So for me, it was a very easy way to, to transfer that way of getting centered and relaxing and coming still to incorporating this idea that there is just this one presence that we're all connected with, but the way to connect is to go within rather than to go without. Mm -hmm. I think that was a major turning point for, for my journey was to, to finally understand that it, and it says it in the book, big book. It says, "Deep within every man, woman, and child is a fundamental idea of God." Deep within, I missed that part. I was looking mm -hmm. without. Yeah, I was looking for greater than <laughs> right. out there. Right. And, and and it's kind of interesting to see that that uh, as as we talk about it going forward, that um, these things started to. Uh, to really uh, vibrate within me. I started to get this very clear picture of this is the direction, the path, the, um, uh, the format in which I wanted to grow my spirituality because the concepts taught by unity were, were the closest thing I have ever found to what I believe. Mm -hmm. And, and so I knew that through prayer and, and meditation, as it says in one of the steps of recovery, um, there's something very similar in one of the universal principles in that we align with our spiritual nature through prayer and meditation. And, you know, in the, um, and that, those two things coming together said, ah, this fits. It's a connection. Mm -hmm. Through prayer and meditation, mm -hmm. I can really align myself with this concept of a ceaseless, restless, creative force, the energy of the universe, the expansiveness of life, um, the presence that, that I have then come to call God, and that I could, um, I could express that. And, uh, and with that then came the responsibility of creating and accepting responsibility for my life as it is. My life is, is, um, is of my, um, uh, my own response. It, so I don't believe that I create everything that happens in my life, but I do believe that I create all the responses uh, to the things that happen to me in my life. Mm -hmm. And in, in knowing that, I was able to say, ah, okay, I get it. So I don't necessarily bring the, 
the guy who crashes the red light and plows into my car. I didn't draw that to me, but it happened. So now how do I respond? Do I, do I um, you know, get out of the car and start screaming at the guy for crashing the red light? Or do I go over there and check to find out if he's okay? Um, those are the, you know, the ways that I can respond differently and then recreate my life accordingly. Mm-hmm. Which is really, um, I'm thinking about this as you're sharing, that that's really a piece of the, the moving from an emotional response to a spiritual response. It's changing our response, the emotional growth to a spiritual growth. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I would just add to that that, you know, my, um, my mission, my, um, my vision for myself is that my spiritual response becomes my emotional response. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So, that, so that my first thought is to, um, in this case, check to see if the other person is okay, rather than be upset because my new car got crashed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so yes, um, it, it, it starts out as a deliberate, um, I, um, I'll call it counterintuitive for me to to mm-hmm. um, to look for the way to think of others first, um, to practice, 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 find a way to um, make that my first response uh, in my head as well as in my physical body. And to me, that's bringing heaven to earth. Mm-hmm. So how did this jive with your your um, concept of faith? How did your, your ideas about faith change as you moved through this part of your process? Uh, well, I was always taught in my, my upbringing that um, there were certain things about faith that you weren't going to understand. Um, some of my teachers would say, Michael, that's a matter of faith. You have to take it on faith. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a blind belief, and Mm -hmm. um, that's one of of the things that I was unwilling to accept. Um, Okay. I just just didn't think it was um, an experience that made much sense. Uh, Until I heard Charles Fillmore's definition of faith, that he said that faith is the perceiving power of the mind linked with the power to shape substance. And holy cow, a light went on. Faith, for me, has very little to do with believing anything. And and that sounds like a contradiction, but I will tell you that once I got this concept that it was my imagination, which is the perceiving power of the mind, linked with my ability to shape substance or the spiritual part of me that, that brings forth this creative uh, force in the universe, this concept of God, where I'm actually uh, forming and uh, molding my concept of reality based on my imagination and my uh, spiritually given talent to express as a child of God. And so it's not about believing. It's not about 
for me. It's not about believing, it's about knowing. It's about this is a tenant of my experience, of my existence, that that I am here um, and I can do these things um, by implementing the spiritual principles that we've been talking about here today. Mm-hmm. So this knowing, um, did, did you have to grow into that? Mm, I don't know. I, I, I kind of look back at that and think that um, the knowing was um, like a realization uh, that was waiting there for me. Because when I read the thing about the perceiving power of the mind, it just went, yes, I get that. I've been mm-hmm. waiting for someone to put it in words for a long time. But the actualization of it took a, is a process, and I'm still working with it. Because mm-hmm. there are still things that, that in, in this life just eat my lunch, and I choose to continue to work on it. Because the, to me, that's spiritual growth. Um, the mm-hmm. Buddha would say to release attachment. And when something or someone or a situation is, is pushing my buttons, then I come to an understanding that I have too much skin in the game. Not that I shouldn't have any, but sometimes too much so that it changes my, the reaction that I want or the response that I want for me in my life doesn't align with the spiritual principle. So I keep mm-hmm. working on it. But that doesn't mean that I don't, I don't understand it. It just means that sometimes I fall short. I give myself a spiritual hug and say, okay, kid, try again. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about the, the faith walk. I mean, it continues to be a journey. It, it doesn't uh, – and, and it kind of, I understand, goes in cycles. I have some understanding, and I work with that for a while, and everything's, you know, working according to the way that I understand it, and then pretty soon something else comes along, and now I'm back on the cycle again, because I have to retest my theories to see what still fits, and if I need to expand it again. Mm-hmm. Yes, and one of the things that, that, that um, I don't know if we've come across to, to express that, um, as a result of all of this um, journeying through the spiritual uh, and alcoholism and recovery and spirituality and religion and all of those things, uh, I was compelled to, to dive into ministry. And so, you know, as, as we speak today, um, um, I'm an ordained unity minister since um, 2007. And mm-hmm. so in the last 11 years, I have been given this great opportunity to keep working at it, keep trying, pick yourself up, fall down, get up, and keep going. But mm-hmm. that's what makes it interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Keeps me going. So, so I, like you, keep moving. Right, right. And you're still, you're still active in your 12-step community, is that correct? Well, I, I'm not as active as I was when I was going to seven to nine meetings a week, but, but I, I go to meetings um, um, regularly. I would say that um, I'm, I'm open to sponsoring. I'm sponsoring a couple of gentlemen now actively, 
and um, I think I have a much better perception of the the spirituality part of the program because of what I've learned in unity, and I can actually incorporate both sets of pretty uh, seamlessly and, mm-hmm. and present a uh, uh, you know a continuous road to not only recovery but to spiritual growth. Right. Right. Yeah, I I never thought that spiritual growth was going to be the answer. You know, I wanted it to be anything but that when I first landed uh-huh. in the program. And um and yet, and today it has become my passion, you know, to and to how can I share that with others? And so, you know, I, I appreciate your willingness to talk about that and to be one of the ones that continues to carry the candle and light the flame and light the path and show others what by your journey, however their journey may overlap or be similar, that there is a way, that there is hope. And um, I guess the one other thing that I would ask about is you and I talked a minute um, beforehand, and and you made a comment about hope that I was curious mm-hmm. about. You said something about mm-hmm. hope being the thief of the future. Could you expand on that? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's another thing that gets me in trouble. But um, you know, there people talk about having hope, and um, and I think that it it um, it shortens or it um, confines us. Uh, in the breadth and the scope of how we can grow spiritually. Because when I hope for something, I'm expecting someone or something um, to intercede and to uh, make things better. I'm hoping that that the uh, the loan will go through. I'm hoping that I'll get a good grade. But in reality, if my credit is really good, the loan is going to go through. And if I have studied well, I'm going to get the good grade. And I don't have to put hope in there as a, a stopgap measure or an explanation of why something didn't work. And mm-hmm. So this so is part of taking choose, responsibility. It is. And, and I would... I would suggest that um, that it would be uh, helpful to um, to limit the power that we give hope and to to incorporate the power of our own um, talent, our own willingness to pursue and persevere. Um, yeah, I, I think um, we. We sometimes overuse hope as a um, as a scapegoat, or it kind of steals from us the um, the opportunity to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we learn more that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I see what you're saying there. So, okay, well that helps me understand. Um, understand about that piece. You know, Michael, I really appreciate the fact that you're willing to be my guest today and to share your faith walk. And, you know, we know from the program that our message must have depth and weight. And when we connect with others in honesty and truth at this type of a level, uh, with this kind of sharing, others find inspiration. And I won't say hope because uh, of our previous conversation. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, sharing at the heartfelt level that you did today. And I want uh, our listeners to know that you can connect with our guest, uh, Reverend Michael Brooks, via his website at um, ntunity.org. 
And um, you can also, listeners, connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. And we'll have announcements of the upcoming shows. You can comment and give feedback. You can also send us emails at spiritofrecovery at unityonline.org. So we're here every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Time. And we would invite you to join us next week when our guest is Dan B. For the show, That's Nice, But Does It Work? And his story is one of moving from apathy and church into a 12-step program where he found a faith that works for him. So thank you again for listening and for being part of Spirit of Recovery. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. of us have heard someone say, I've learned my lesson. I'll never do that again. All too rarely do we hear, that was a wonderful lesson. I'm glad it happened just the way it did, even though I was uncomfortable going through it. I now understand why I experienced the pain. With this new awareness, I can change my behavior so I won't make the same mistake in the future. We bear a good part of the responsibility for creating both the positive and the negative situations we experience in daily life. Wisdom comes from understanding the result of our choices and realizing that we can always choose differently. By fearlessly confronting the role you play in the experiences you may have judged as mistakes in your life, you can make future experiences fruitful and increase your wisdom. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. 
We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw. And on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 